I certainly wish I had not been diagnosed, but I have a very full life. I help people and I enjoy that so much. It takes the spontaneity out of things in a lot of ways. The other part of that though, is if you get organized and if you take the time, you can go and do the things that you really want to do. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is different for everyone. Some cases are more severe than others, but for people like John and Jean, COPD doesn't get in the way of life. It just means life looks a little different. Certainly, if you go back 20 years in time, there was a great deal of negativism that surrounded COPD. And I can say that that has changed. We have better therapies, we have better interventions for not only COPD, but also the diseases that travel along with COPD. Patients are able to live much better and fuller lives. This is the COPD Podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about some of the challenges of living well with COPD, as well as the lifestyle changes that help people carry on doing the things they love and reduce the risk of more serious illness. As always, we'll share resources at the end where you can learn more. I'm your host, Michaela Arneson. Keeping healthy with COPD can be challenging, in part because it often occurs alongside other illnesses. I absolutely see overlap with other chronic conditions. That's Kelly Becker, a family nurse practitioner in rural Michigan. What we've learned with a lot of chronic conditions is it comes down to inflammation. Inflammation is our immune response to invaders, like germs and physical irritants, such as smoke particles. So normally it's a good thing, but long-term inflammation can damage healthy cells too and put people at risk for multiple health problems. Some people will develop issues or may already have issues with obesity or lack of activity tolerance. Cardiac disease also can have to do with inflammation in the blood vessels and put people at higher risk for heart disease and stroke and other issues with veins and vascular health. Cardiovascular disease is one of the most common comorbidities of COPD. Diabetes and osteoporosis are also frequent bedfellows, as are sleep disorders and depression. So if it's difficult to breathe and it's difficult to get out in public, it may be more difficult to get more physical activity. And this is a snowball effect. What we often see with this and other chronic disease is a feeling of isolation, shame, and a high percentage of people with depression. So what does all of this mean for managing COPD? We asked pulmonologist Dr. Mina Perzida. Dietary changes, healthy lifestyles, exercise become super important. Weight loss actually is huge because weight loss will help not only improve your breathing, but also for patients who have sleep apnea, they can actually potentially completely get rid of their sleep apnea if they are able to lose enough weight. And of course, following up with their primary care providers to make sure that all their other health screenings are done. You should always consult a qualified healthcare provider with questions about COPD management or anything else. This show is not a substitute for formal medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It was created to educate and inform about a condition that affects millions of people worldwide. Dr. Perzida's healthy lifestyle tips apply to all of us, but for people with COPD, Things like eating and exercise require more thought and planning. With COPD, the lungs expand, pushing the diaphragm down into the abdomen. Stephanie Williams, a respiratory therapist, 
says many dietary changes are necessary because some foods can make symptoms worse and force the body to use too much energy during digestion. You don't want them to eat foods that cause a lot of gas in the stomach because that's going to push up on the diaphragm, causing those feelings of shortness of breath. We also need to avoid foods that are heavy in simple carbohydrates. So things that are sugary or really starchy, things that don't break down well. Those foods build carbon dioxide up in the blood. It just makes them have to work harder to exhale that carbon dioxide out. So what we encourage people to do is to eat multiple small meals throughout the day. As Kelly and Dr. Perzita said, nutrition is important because some people with COPD struggle with being overweight, but others have the opposite problem. We see sometimes people losing weight inappropriately, people who are too tired during the eating process. By the time you do the shopping and the food prep, you're simply too tired to eat. And then there are folks that simply can't get enough calories because when you're working that hard to breathe all the time, your metabolism can sometimes accelerate a little bit. Mike Hess, another respiratory therapist, recommends that people consult with their healthcare provider to figure out a nutritional plan that works best for them. But a good diet includes a few basic things. Some general rules of thumb are to eat things that are relatively dense in good nutrients. Protein, healthy fats, the healthier kinds of peanut butter have some good fats and they're relatively easy to eat and to digest. The COPD Foundation also recommends avoiding lactose, processed foods, and fatty foods. I pretty much changed the way that I cooked and that I grocery shopped. Jean Ramos was diagnosed in 2000, but it wasn't until a couple years later, when she was hospitalized with a flare-up, that she decided things really needed to change. When I got out of the hospital three days later, I decided I will do a diet. I have been heavy all my life, and I had never been very successful, ever. I learned to use ground turkey, lots of vegetables, lots of low-fat meats, fruit. I started with the diet, and about a week into it, I realized I got to do more than this. I need to exercise. An exercise regimen, like a diet, should be designed with a person's unique needs and abilities in mind. But any program will include a couple key components. A good exercise program is always going to start with stretching. It gets your muscles ready, plus it avoids injury in your joints. We want to improve aerobic capacity so that you're able to do uh, the things that you enjoy for longer. Finally, we want to work your muscles because the stronger your muscles are, the more efficiently they're able to process oxygen. If you're someone with COPD and you haven't done much exercise in a while, it can feel a little intimidating to start. Breaking your program down into manageable steps and finding a strong motivator can help. With any exercise program, it's important to set some goals. Like, I want to go check my mail and come back without hitting my rescue inhaler a half dozen times. I want to be able to go see my grandchild's wedding in a couple of months. It's really important to have that thing that you're striving for. After her exacerbation, Jean felt really motivated to push herself to lose weight. So she consulted her doctor. He said, look, the only thing you need to do is make sure that your oxygen saturation levels are at 95 or better when you're exercising. You don't have any heart problems and you don't have any arthritis. There's no reason why you can't exercise as hard as you want to. Jean started to do aerobic exercise and strength training, and she found that her body was capable of more than she thought. I had an exercise bike 
So I would use that 20 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes after I got home. I decided I needed a treadmill. So I got a treadmill. I'd be on the treadmill at 5.30 and I'd walk for 45 minutes, 45 minutes in the afternoon. And then usually three times a week, I would do some weight kinds of things. And after 18 months, I'd lost well over 100 pounds. And I was probably in the best shape I'd been in since I was maybe 25. Breathing also became a little easier as Jean's lung function improved to roughly the level she was at when she was diagnosed. While Jean's regimen has since changed, exercise is still crucial to doing the things she loves. The Des Moines Metro Opera had their summer season. I hadn't been in so long, and it was kind of scary. We had to drive down to Indianola. I have to find a parking place. I have to walk. I got short of breath walking up the steps. It was a little frightening. There were some things that I wasn't real thrilled with, but I did it, and it worked just fine. A lot of times we get caught up in the notion that exercise has to be on a treadmill, on an exercise bike. And obviously, sometimes those things are a little bit out of reach for folks who have these breathing problems. Exercise can be very simple as well. It's most important to just stay active because the less you do, the less you're able to do. John Linnell and Jan Cotton have figured out programs that work best for them. I'm not one to hop on the treadmill all the time, but we have pets. I'll walk my dog. That's exercise. Each day, no matter what, if it's only 10 minutes, I'm going to do my weights or I'm going to do something for the bottom half of my body with legs, arms, or whatever it takes. If you're on oxygen therapy, talk to your doctor about how you should be using oxygen when you exercise. And as always, listen to your body. You really don't want to overextend yourself. And if you do run into some trouble, never hesitate to contact your clinician. People with COPD also have to be very careful about contracting illness because germs and viruses can cause lung infections or exacerbations, a sudden worsening of symptoms, like the one Jean had. You take your medications and you get your vaccines and you stay away from people with bugs. And if you do get something, you get to your doctor as quickly as possible and get some treatment. Annual vaccinations are an essential part of trying to avoid exacerbations. Get your flu shot, your pneumonia shot, get your COVID-19 shot, get everything you can to avoid getting sick in other ways, which can bring on COPD flares. Jan said before the pandemic hit, people with COPD were already used to being careful in public, like using hand sanitizer and wearing masks. But having lung disease during COVID has been paralyzing for her. I was so afraid. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't go out of my house. I was afraid to let anybody in the house. And because of the stresses of COVID, I had several exacerbations and had to end up in the hospital. And that's exactly where I didn't want to end up. The virus has also made it difficult for Jan and others to keep up with their exercise, diets, and other wellness routines. And like many of us who have turned to familiar habits to cope with the stress of the pandemic, some people with COPD picked up smoking again. COVID really did hit hard for COPDers. No exercise, didn't care about nutrition. People said that COVID had just really made them just stop dead in their tracks. If you or someone you love is struggling with fear and anxiety about COPD generally or COPD during COVID-19, 
talking to a mental health professional can really help. After all, living well with COPD is about more than just your physical health. Thankfully, I had a counselor that I could talk to, sort of helped me through some things. And I'm just getting back to where I used to be. I'm extremely lucky in that I have a therapeutic relationship with a clinical neuropsychologist that I have known for the last 25 years. That is really critical to my functioning. Knowing that I have a place where I can talk about anything I want and it's safe. In episode one, Mike Hess also recommended a few other practices that can help reduce stress and anxiety, not only for people with COPD, but for loved ones and caregivers. Exercise and stretching, taking some time to relax, maybe doing a little meditation, listening to some good music, and also make sure that you're talking to friends, families, caregivers, counselors, peers, whoever it is. Make sure that you're maintaining those lines of communication and support. And Stephanie says that learning about your condition can make you feel empowered and in control of your health. Get a lot of education and information for yourself. The more you know, the better questions you can ask, the more involved you can become in your treatment. That really will help your healthcare team find the best treatment or combinations of treatments for you. That's a perfect segue to talking about resources. You can find links to them and more at our website, healthunmuted.com. Firstly, the COPD Foundation has a free document called the My COPD Action Plan, which helps people keep track of changes in their condition, remember when to take their medication, and what to do in the event of an exacerbation. Having that information written down in one place is also helpful for a person's loved ones and care team. It's all there for my doctor to see. What questions do I need to ask him? Everybody needs an action plan. You cannot live with COPD and be on the edge 24-7. The COPD Foundation also has a smartphone app called the Pocket Consultant Guide with exercises for a wide range of abilities. If you're interested in pulmonary rehab, a structured, monitored exercise program that we talked about in episode two, talk to your healthcare provider. And for more on nutrition, the Cleveland Clinic and Temple Health have excellent tips on what foods to eat and what foods to avoid. Finally, if you need some extra support, check out COPD 360 Social, run by the COPD Foundation, or any of their free monthly support groups, which cover a variety of topics. And they're not just for people with a diagnosis. Loved ones, caregivers, and anyone affected by lung disease are welcome. This is the COPD Podcast. This show is part of the Health Unmuted audio library by Mission Based Media and was created in collaboration with the COPD Foundation. To listen and learn more, visit healthunmuted.com com and follow the COPD podcast on your favorite podcast player. The COPD podcast is written, hosted, and produced by me, Michaela Arneson. Sound design is by Ivan Yurich. Our executive producer is Dan Kendall, and Chris Hemmings is our associate editor. Many thanks to John Linnell, Jean Ramos, and Jan Cotton for sharing their personal experiences with COPD, and to our guest experts, Dr. David Menino, Kelly Becker, Dr. Amina Persida, Stephanie Williams, and Mike Hess for sharing their medical expertise.